In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joelcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another Wednesday evening, reflecting into the life and thought of uh, Pope Francis. And uh, as always, I have Bob Cross joining me tonight. This is uh, a special week because this week uh, there are a great number of people assembling to Rome, to uh, the Vatican, uh, for the canonization of Blessed John Paul II and, of course, John the Twenty-Third. Uh, in fact, it is being said that this week may draw the most pilgrims ever to the Catholic capital. They are expecting over three million pilgrims, which include uh, here I have nineteen heads of state and twenty-four uh, prime ministers. Well, I think uh, you and I are about the only ones that aren't going to make it this week, <laughs> yeah. unless unless you've already made your flight. <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's it's incredible, and it's um, with all the heads of state and all the dignitaries. Well, it's uh, it's only appropriate when you look back through um, the history of both of these two men, you know, Blessed John the Twenty Third and John Paul II. Of course, I mean they they span so many many uh, historical events and heads of states themselves during their papacy and their lives. Uh, you know, it's just amazing when you look back through and all the events that took place and the people whom uh, they influenced that yeah. were heads of state or, you know, heads of governments or religions yeah. uh, during yeah. their time. Yeah, and so this is why we're going to talk about these two men. You know, Pope Francis has... Uh, has made the decision to canonize these two men on the same day. So I thought what we could do then, Bob, tonight is really reflect upon uh, just not what these men have in common, and maybe even how they're different a little bit, but really how their lives are interconnected. And certainly, in the end, we'll wrap up our discussion with a reflection on why I think, personally, uh, these two men are being canonized on the same day. And I think it has everything to do with the Second Vatican Council and what uh, Blessed John Paul II, in fact, put into play, uh, seeing that he was there at that council. Uh, that being said, just a, a few words about John Paul II and John the Twenty-Third. You know, in what ways uh, will John Paul II uh, be most remembered, uh, soon to be saint, of course? Well, certainly uh, for the fall of communism, Bob. But for many Catholics, a man who gave us uh, the widely popular Wednesday series, Wednesday Catechesis on Theology of the Body. It is said that uh, 75% of all of the uh, teaching on sexuality comes from John Paul II. And so for the first five years of his uh, pontificate, each Wednesday he focused on what he called a theology of the body, where he catechized uh, deeply, pastorally, on the nature of man and the nature of woman. Certainly, uh, in this area, John Paul II will not only be remembered, but this is the stuff that we're going to be studying for the next 500 years. Uh, in fact, 
In the coming months, uh, we are going to start a series on Theology of the Body. We did one night a couple weeks ago, and there were a lot of people interested. I was, I was uh, struck by it, how in just one night, uh, people uh, were compelled to ask questions regarding uh, the, the complementarity between man and woman. So certainly, that was a highlight. Uh, he gave us the widely popular, the uber-popular uh, World Youth Day I think that started in 1984. It has grown to be so big that, what, what was the number? Um, this, let's see, last year, uh, there on Coco Cabana Beach, I think it was three million, Bob. And Just three, for the mass. Yeah, yeah, three million youth. Uh, just not Catholics, but Christians coming together to worship God, to praise God. I mean, it was powerful. I remember, I think it was what... Um, New Year's Eve, they do a New Year's Eve bash there on that same beach. Oh, and it would have been, what, five months later? And they were saying how many people there, a couple hundred thousand. I just thought, well, that is a lot of people, but it, it's not three million. <laughs> you know? So certainly, John Paul II gave us those World Youth Days. And we could say because of the length of his papacy, Bob, 26 and a half years, he really impacted a whole generation of Catholics John Paul II revolutionized uh, the papacy as he brought the church to the people. We have spoken in the past on this a number of times where, in our own experiences, we uh, encountered John Paul II, and the charism of the office, the grace of the office, uh, it it changed me and it changed many lives. Um, It was powerful. And so certainly, the impact of John Paul II, he touched millions. And while much of the crowd's focus, Bob, will be on the Polish Pope's remarkable achievements, Pope John XXIII will also be canonized, known as the Good Pope for his kind-hearted nature. He, too, was also a revolutionary figure. It was on January 25th, 1959, just three months after his election, I think we forget that, just three months after he was elected Pope, that John the Twenty-Third surprised the Catholic world by announcing that he would summon the 21st Ecumenical Council in history. And certainly, this council, while celebrating and reaffirming the teachings of the Church, was about exploring new ways in which the abiding truths that the church carries in history could be handed on more effectively. And I believe that to be very, very important. And if there was any wonder about the significance of that moment, there has been some critique of Pope Francis on this. Why? Because he bypassed the second miracle typically required for uh, any canonization, and in this case, canonization for John the Twenty-Third. <laughs> what did Pope Francis say? The fact that he declared Second Vatican, uh, the Second Vatican Council was honor enough. That struck me. <laughs> uh, was honor enough for him to be canonized? So uh, important, important uh, event in history, certainly. I tell you, um, you know, I'm I, I remember as a, as a kid uh, when when the Vatican to Council, the Ecumenical Council, was called. And I remember hearing our parish priest and um, <clears throat> some of the, the older members of, of our parish community were very nervous at the time. Um, and again, I was, you know, I'm just um, a young boy. I was an altar boy, actually, at the time. And 
There was um, there was just um, a high degree of nervous expectation out of this. I didn't know what to think. We nobody really understood what was going to happen, and we started hearing. And as it as it happened, you know, this the church uh, becoming uh, changed so dramatically, and the catechism, you know, being completely, um, you know, um, you know interpreted differently it, it was it was a very very interesting time i, I yeah. recall it vividly these are two men you know bob that uh their lives uh, intertwine because of that council and uh that council is just huge you know bob and it's interesting as we look at these two men their life stories are very different you know john paul ii uh, as a young boy he never had the chance to know his his oldest sibling, Olga, because she died at birth. Uh, he loses his mother at the age of eight. Uh, he had to watch his older brother die at a young age due to the contraction of scarlet fever. And of course, he lost his father to a heart attack uh, when he was uh, 21, leaving him the sole survivor of his immediate family at the very young age of 21. Uh, he lived out his priestly vocation as a Paris priest and then as a bishop in Poland, uh, John the Twenty-Third, his life was very different. He was raised in a large family. He didn't quite have the, the death that surrounded John Paul II in his life at a young age. He was uh, ordained a priest, and soon thereafter, he was sent by the Holy See to Turkey, uh, Bulgaria, and France as an apostolic di- diplomat, which would be very important in his days later. And, but uh, as I talk about this, Yes, they had different uh, childhoods, they had different paths, but they did have some things uh, in common. Uh, First and foremost, they were both uh, saintly men. This is why they're being canonized. If you were to go to their uh, papal mottos, every time someone becomes a, every time a pope is installed as pope, he has a motto uh, that he he lives by. John XXIII's motto was, Obediencia et pax, obedience and peace. He embraced that. John Paul II's was totus tuus, an affirmation of placing absolute trust in the hands of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, their spirituality throughout their papacy was really a reflection of uh, their papal mottos. But it is to go behind the scenes of these two great men to appreciate uh, not just what they had in common, but again, how their lives, Bob, uh, were interconnected. And I wanted to get to uh, a very important event in the life of John the Twenty-Third, uh, and really how it highlights the kind of figure he was, and ultimately what this meant for uh, John Paul II, uh, then young Carol Voitia. Uh, as I already noted, John the Twenty-Third was a diplomat. In fact, it could be said that he had already begun to tear down the invisible wall of the Iron Curtain uh, when the Soviet Union experienced its first cracks. If you've lived through Vatican II, uh, you lived also through uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, which was a significant event in history. And uh, John Twenty-Third had an important uh, play in that. It was in 1961 that the then Secretary of the Russian Communist Party, Khrushchev, made a first move to establish communication with John the Twenty-Third. What did he do? Pretty innocent uh, best wishes card on his 80th birthday. <laughs> well, John the Twenty-Third responded, and from that simple 
card, Bob. A channel of informal contacts was thus, uh, contacts rather, was thus opened. Uh, now, what does this all mean? Well, they established this kind of a kinship. Uh, and as it relates to the Cuban Missile Crisis, well, if you were to go back into history in 1962, John XXIII, Pope John XXIII, was the only moral authority recognized by the two opposing sides. In fact, the Pope's public remarks, which he rewrote almost in their entirety in the midst of the crisis, were actually published in the Cuban newspaper, The Communist uh, Mouthpiece. It is hard to deny uh, for any student of history uh, the role that John XXIII had in overcoming the Cuban Missile Crisis. Now, what's important for us here to appreciate is just not his role, but what this led to. Out from that, at the end of the Cuban Missile Crisis, he, he went back to his uh, study and he penned uh, an official document titled Peace on Earth. And he, he rooted this in truth, human dignity, the principle of freedom itself, and religious freedom. So, again, we're not talking about peace as just the absence of warfare. John Twenty-Third was going deeper, Bob. It was more than, as Pope Francis called it, a negotiated settlement. It is about the dignity of man. Once we restore the dignity of man, once we restore the nature of truth, once we come to better understand the principle of freedom, then and only then will we truly come, Bob, to understand what peace is all about. And this was his point in this document, Peace on Earth. Let's talk about nervousness going on in the church during Vatican II, of course. You know, I, again, as a, as, a, as a child at that time, I, mm. I just recall everybody was on the edge of their seats. And you look back through history and recounts, or you, you, you listen to, um, you know, you know the, the people who actually were very, very close to the situation. And it was, it was, it was crazy at the time. It really was. And John the Twenty-Third was this figure, and I remember distinctly that, yeah, that that you say that he was recognized both by both sides. He was the only religious figure that I could remember at the time that was actually uh, getting any kind of news coverage. Because, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, here you had, you know, the, Cuba was mostly Catholic, you know, and um, here in the United States you have JFK, who was a Catholic, and you know that. Believe me, it had a lot to yep. do with everything that was going on as far as John the Twenty Third was concerned. Huge, huge. Now, the aura of this document, Bob, also captivated a young bishop taking part in the Second Vatican Council. Remember, he penned this document in '62. Vatican II has, for all intents and purposes, convened. Carol Wojtyla, who we know today, of course, is uh, John Paul II, was a man of the council. In fact, after the council, he led an extensive implementation of its teachings in his own diocese under extremely difficult circumstances. And what was the essence of what he was after? Well, what John the Twenty-Third was after: human dignity, religious freedom, uh, the nature of truth. Right? He would get into uh, you know uh, the the transcendentals, beauty, truth, goodness. This is what restores our hope. This is what restores our vision of man. Uh, this is what he was about. It, it's interesting that over the course of his 26-and-a-half-year uh, pontificate, he really gave the church the keys to better interpret the teachings of Vatican II. 
You know, we have our catechism. Many of our Catholic listeners are aware of the catechism of the Catholic Church. A lot of the catechism, Bob, comes directly out from the teachings of Vatican II. If you go to the footnotes, you see all of these uh, writings. Those are the writings from uh, Vatican II. He also wrote, that is, John Paul II, a great number of documents reflecting, exploring more upon the teachings of the Church. And it was all about, Bob, getting man to go deeper in their faith, this universal call to holiness. For John the Twenty-Third, when he called Second Vatican Council, again, this just wasn't a matter of clarifying doctrine. This is about taking the doctrine and saying, how can we present it better to man so they might be renewed in the relationship with Jesus Christ? This is what it was about. A lot of people here, Bob, in Vatican II, you know, it's just all this stuff way up there, a loop. That is not what it was about. The changing of the language from Latin to English, the turning of the priest to face the people of God, this is richly symbolic because the church is now saying there is a new encounter to be had. How can you engage when you don't understand the language? How can you engage when you don't see the man face to face? This is the language of Vatican II. It's a new encounter. When uh, Carol Wojtyla left Vatican II, he was all about implementing these teachings so that his diocese might be renewed in the relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, I know maybe some of our listeners are out there thinking, well, what, I, what about the doctrine, you know, the doctrine of the Trinity and the doctrine of creation? We must remember, Bob, doctrine is not about something, but always about someone, and that someone is the person of Jesus Christ. The doctrine of the Incarnation reveals something unique about Jesus Christ, Christ and our call to holiness. The doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of creation, all of these doctrines point to Jesus Christ and then ultimately point back to us and how we might be the best version of who God is calling us to be. Again, this is very important. The strategic goal of John the Twenty-Third, he defined on October 11th, 1962, was to reform Catholicism for a third millennium of evangelical and apostolic action for the healing of the world. For the healing of the world. Well, the, and, you know, I just sit here and I, I'm listening to you drawing some of the parallels, or not so much parallels. I mean, the, talk about dots connected. Yeah. I mean, you have these two men who's, you know, uh, who are deeply involved with, um, with communism, you know, at the time, which you, you look back in history, you look at communism, what it does, it, it eliminates some of that dignity of what you referred. And, and both of them, John, the, Pope John the Twenty Third and Pope John Paul II, both of them, you know, are, are representing their people and representing the church and and trying to help that dignity and those freedoms that we all have in the spirit and what Jesus professed in the very very beginning in terms of love, dignity, and uh, the value of what each human being represents, and that's what both of them were rooted in and what yeah. their their uh, their vocations, both of them, led them to become. And it's interesting to notice, as, as you talk about communism there, Bob, there are men behind the scenes that were very in, uh, involved in the papacy of John Twenty-Third and also John Paul II. Uh, there's a man by the name of Agostino Casaroli. You know, he was sent to countries on the other side of the Iron Curtain by John Twenty-Third. He would initiate a different dialogue, a step-by-step -step policy, which substantially alleviated 
the conditions of Christians in communist-ruled countries. Uh, now, what's interesting, Bob, is once elected Pope John Paul II himself chose Casseroli as Secretary of State. Uh, he would also choose a man by the name of Paul Poupard um, to speak to the philosophers and intellectuals of the countries beyond the Iron Curtain. Uh, why was that important? Because as the dynamism and charism of John Paul II was sticking his, uh, his foot in the sand saying, God is alive, the reason why he wasn't shot again was because of Casseroli's diplomacy and Poupard's behind-the-scene cultural dialogue, which made possible the fall of the Berlin Wall and essentially the end of communism as we would know it then. And so, very important. Why? Because the men that were intimately involved with the diplomacy of John Twenty-Third were intimately involved in the diplomacy of John Paul II. And really, they were working behind the scenes, alleviating the tension, calming the presence behind the Iron Curtain so John Paul II could do his thing. You know, his, his days in Poland, we went back to Poland, and, and there was the Mass the, where there were hundreds of thousands of people there, and, and they're uh, worshiping, you know, God, God is alive, God is alive. It's no wonder that figures like Gorbachev and Reagan were very outspoken in the role that John Paul II had on the fall of the Berlin Wall. He was the key figure. It was figures like uh, Casaroli and Poupard. We don't know those names. We don't hear those names, Bob, but they are important, very important. And so, yes, these two men, uh, their lives are interconnected, but it is what I said in the beginning, Vatican II. That really is, is what Sunday's about, I've got. I mean, certainly they're being canonized saints, and by being canonized saint, um, you know, they'll be called upon all the more in the life of, of the Church. But it really is a statement by Pope Francis. Vatican II, again, was about the universal call to holiness and this call to re-examine how we are called to share the faith. And in light of that, for Pope Francis, who just penned this document, the document we've been talking about, the joy of the gospel, uh, on the new evangelization, the message is clear. John the Twenty-Third had a foundational role in the new evangelization. Uh, John Paul II, who's considered kind of the father figure to the new evangelization, put it into motion, and it is Pope Francis who is now bringing uh, the life of the new evangelization into uh, the life of the church. Very, very important. There is a phrase here, Bob, I wanted to get to. I just love this. In his first sermon heard from inside uh, Vatican II, uh, from John the Twenty-Third, he says, the grand strategic goal is that the church would offer the world the medicine of mercy. The medicine of mercy. And of course, here you have John Paul II. It's, it's, it's important to note, what is Sunday? Sunday is Divine Mercy Sunday. Uh, John Paul II had a very important role in the, the church's official documents and teaching on, on mercy. He penned the great encyclical, Rich in Mercy. Why do I talk about this? Because what did we talk about a month ago as it relates to Pope Francis? The call for the church to be a field hospital? How about that, Bob? How about that? 
The grand strategic goal is for the church to offer the world the medicine of mercy. And Pope Francis in this document says the church must be a field hospital. We talk about the interconnection between John the 23rd and John Paul II. How about Pope Francis himself? Vatican II, the church needs to be of the poor for the poor. Pope Francis, a man of the poor for the poor. You see, this is what we call continuity. And this is the brilliance of the Holy Spirit to bring us men who might guide us to better understand what this continuity is about. This was a brash move by Pope Francis to bypass that second miracle to say he is going to be canonized the same day John Paul II is canonized. And he's doing so for a reason. What John the 23rd started is what John Paul II implemented. And oh, by the way, uh, me, your current pope, it's one I'm trying to uh, carry on. You know? And I just, I think it's, it's a wonderful uh, seamlessness that we can begin to discover when we look at these popes. And we haven't talked about the other popes in between, Pope Paul VI, Pope Benning. We didn't even talk about those popes. They're not canonized yet. <laughs> For another week. Yeah. yeah. But uh, what a wonderful opportunity to uh, reflect upon these men who we can call prodigal fathers. What does the father do in the story of the prodigal son, Bob? He doesn't wait for his father to come to him. No, he sees the poverty in his son, and he runs to him. He embraces him, and he kisses him. And in it, what does he give him, Bob? This personal counter that renews him, and he says what? Come and celebrate with me. We will feast with a fatted calf. What does, what does John the 23rd do? He doesn't wait. He wants to run to the children of God. What does John Paul II do? Well, I've already said it. He went to the people of God like the prodigal father. He runs to all of us. And of course, what has Pope Francis done? He has embraced mankind beautifully. He has embraced all of us in our open wounds and in our sin and all the rest. Uh, and, and, and what a wonderful Pope we have that would bring us uh, these two saints on Sunday. And with that, let us close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. And God bless you. You've been listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening from 6.30 to 7 p.m. right here on KKXX. If you have questions or feedback, you may email Joe at jholljmj at yahoo.com. For a copy of today's program, visit joeholcraft.org or call KKXX during regular business hours at 894-7325. Thanks for listening to the Seeds of Truth on KKXX.